Thanks for downloading UW Alumni Voices. Not just a job, the evolving world of work. Careers are becoming increasingly complex. In the world of tomorrow, it's very likely you'll have your day job, your business on the side, and the volunteering you do to upskill, make connections, and create positive change. The panel features alumni who are doing it all, talking about whether a separation of work and life is realistic. Welcome to our panel. Uh, so not just a job, the evolving world of work. Uh, my name is Anna Birchfield. I've worked in government communications, digital marketing, PR, whole heap of industries over the last 10 years. I graduated UWA after doing a Master of International Relations in 2014. Cool. So I've got a, a fascinating panel to share with you guys this afternoon who have worked across a number of industries, to put it politely, but uh, the truth is... These days, careers are a tap dance. They're a fruit salad. They're a buffet. So not necessarily will you always work in the industry you say study in, but you will go sideways and all the ways. So hopefully this, this wonderful panel will share some of their colourful experiences with you. So I will throw over. Um, so guys, please introduce yourself one by one. About 30 seconds, speed dating style. Introduce yourself, what you studied, and a bit about what you currently do. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Xiong Chang. I'm the youngest on the panel. I graduated in 1993 in the Bachelor of Commerce. Uh, my career over the last 25 uh, odd years took me to, uh, from Perth to Sydney for eight years and to Hong Kong for uh, 10 years. In that time, I've um, done banking, I've done uh, capital markets, rating agencies, so not too far from the areas of finance, so as, as per my um, uh, degree, but it also uh, uh, exposed me to, um, to, to various markets um, and, uh, and with deregulation happening in parts of the world. So I came back to Perth three years ago, mainly for family reasons. Um, you know, the kids were um, wanting to kick a football and they couldn't do it twice a week in Hong Kong because the grass had to grow, uh, whereas they can kick it every day here. So over that's my 30 seconds, I think. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you, Shun. Okay, great. Thank you. I'm Charlotte Smale and I currently work as a consultant in uh, career management and HR. I think like you so delicately said, Anna, it's a bit of a tap dance and I, so I actually completed both a bachelor's and master's in architecture. I don't practice in that. I have worked in architecture. I have worked in a few different things actually, but uh, consulting in the career management has been my one constant. But I have been volunteering at Samaritans uh, across this telephone support line going on two years now and doing that I realised actually I want to do something a little bit different again. So I'm going to be uh, looking into doing a Masters of Counselling. Thank you Charlotte. Hi guys, I'm uh, Andrew Walker. Uh, I started life as a tennis pro and then I went and got a commerce degree from Curtin, sorry UWA, and then uh, ended up a management consultant in banking in Singapore until I got fed up with that after about six years and then came back and did a UWA Bachelor of Engineering in MechEng. And at the end of that, I started a tech startup, which was about six years ago, uh, which I sold a year and a half ago to an international firm based out of Dublin. And I'm now CTO of that company. I'm Lou Forster and I did a arts, Bachelor of Arts Anthropology at the University of London and did my MBA here, finished um, about three years ago. I'm currently um, in an exec role of a medium-sized not-for-profit organisation, so about 40 million revenue, and we support people in the community, so um, kind of quite purpose-driven. 
and my portfolio has um, people and culture, volunteering, work health and safety, and marketing and communications. So it's pretty, pretty broad. Cool. Thanks, so Lou. So selfish next year. <laughs> um, I'll start <laughs> with the first question, Lou. Going back to you, um, what should people be looking for when they're considering either study or work pursuits in terms of their interests and stuff? What drew you towards your study or current opportunity? I think probably keeping it a little bit broad unless you're really, really interested in something and want to stay in it forever. And I remember when I was thinking of doing the MBA, my CEO at the time asked me what I was interested in. And at the moment, at the time, I was doing online learning, uh, managing that. And I really like writing and I like business. And I was looking at doing maybe some specialised online learning um, like platform and, and development. And she said, with, with an MBA, you can still run an online learning company. But if you, you know, specialise, then you really pigeonhole yourself. And if you're going to do an MBA or something broad, you, you go, your writing will get better anyway. So she kind of persuaded me out of doing more um, tech uh, um, specialisation or writing and just keeping it broad. But if you really like that someone was doing a PhD when I did my when I graduated from the MBA, they read out your thesis title, and it was about the construction of the chickpea or something like that. I thought, you know, if, if you're really interested in chickpeas and you want to spend the rest of your life specialising, then go for it. Otherwise, maybe keep it broad. That is specific. Um, what are your thoughts, Andrew, in picking opportunities? Uh, I uh, advocate focusing on whatever you can be most passionate about doing within whatever constraints you've got. And so if you're um, you know, born to a multi-billionaire family, then you can do whatever the heck you want. If you've got some other kind of constraints, as most of us do, then uh, it's important for whatever you are doing to be able to be passionate about doing it. I don't mean that you love it. I mean that you can throw yourself into it because the skills that you pick up in whatever job that you're doing are going to be valuable and the people that you work with are people you might like to work with again and people will notice the way that you work. So you kind of accumulate customers and, and uh, people that are going to work with you and, and you get people's attention that way. So you're kind of a regard, and I'm an, an actual entrepreneur, but I, I think that everyone has a, a kind of lifelong path as their own business, their own entrepreneurship internally, and you're developing skills, you're developing contacts, uh, and you need to be building that up no matter what you're doing at the time. Cool. Yeah, you've raised some very interesting points about people skills and the power of networks and speaking of people. For me, uh, I, w I would build on what you said, Andrew. I think definitely the, the passion side. Uh, if you're doing something that you're passionate about, it means that when you're doing really boring work, it's going to help you get through because at the end of the day, it's part, it's part of a bigger picture. Uh, so I think definitely uh, the passion and I think also when that's something that fades, then you start to realise, well, maybe that's when you need to be more open to other opportunities. Really, I feel like you've said said a lot of what I wanted. Yep. <laughs> I com completely agree. Sean? Uh, I guess from it's it's all good, and what you should be doing is following your dreams. If you if you see, I uh, was starting high school in the 80s, and the 80s there was deregulation. You know, it was a floating of the dollar. There was um, uh, bringing in foreign banks. Uh, so if you can pick a trend, um, and uh, you know the next 20, 30, 40 years. Uh, so my dream back then was watching a, a movie called Wall Street, right? And that, and, the, and the, it was an 80s movie, and it was also there's another one called Gorillas at the Gate. So you, I could picture myself being a being a dealer maker, one of these willow dealers. Uh, but you don't actually get there day one. So for example, there are some professions, some things in Perth where you know you, you never get it. For, for example, investment banking. 
So my journey took me from Perth over to Sydney. Sydney being the capital market of um, Australia. I mean, it's not unique. It's not that unique in the U.S. You have New York and. In Europe, you have uh, London, and in uh, um, Asia, you have Hong Kong, Singapore. So it's uh, it's if you, if that's something you want to do, then you have to make your way there, you know, and you keep on you know pursuing it, pressing on it. Um, and even in uh, hundred years time, two hundred years time, we still need banking because uh, all the businesses, all the startups, they need money, they need capital. So if uh, if that's your area, because uh, I come from the um, Faculty of Commerce, uh, and a lot of people did that. A lot of people went from uh, Perth, Sydney, New York, Perth, Sydney. London, I went from Perth, Sydney to Hong Kong. So that's the sort of journey that, uh, you know, I'm not telling you all to leave Perth, but if that is the, uh, I mean, there are some jobs, um, uh, even in the uh, med medical faculty, you know, with the top 10 uh, medical university in the world. But if you choose to do something like DNA editing, you can't do it in Australia, sorry, because the laws don't allow it. So you have to go somewhere else. So there are these guys who graduate tomorrow who cannot work in Australia if they want to pursue something. So if you do want to pursue something, feel free to travel. Yeah, that's very sage advice. So I'll jump back to you for our next question, Andrew. Careers evolve. Careers take all sorts of strange twists and turns, and I know you had a very interesting... Mine was straight line. Yes, yes. Um, you had a very interesting start to your career particularly, and at any stage, did you ever feel stuck in a rut for one reason or another by changing circumstances or interests? Um, share with the guys um, a little bit about your journey from tennis to tech. Uh, I, I'm really good at quitting stuff, as you might have been able to tell. I, so, but I think after you've been doing something for a period of time, it's easy to feel stuck in a rut. Um, so, and especially if you're not sure where it's going. Some, sometimes things actually work out really well and then you realise, you know, you don't want to keep on being there. And I, I would put my consulting in Singapore in that category. You know, I, I went from tennis to consulting via commerce because I kind of jumped out of high school into tennis trying to be a superstar, you know, tennis player. And then the lifestyle of a tennis player actually sucks. Um, and then I suddenly was worried that, oh, no, now I don't have an education and I don't have a good job and I'm just a dumb tennis player. So I got really passionate about getting educated and getting a job. And then I got, got it a good degree, got a good job, started making heaps of money, was living like an expat, and then felt trapped as an expat and bored, and I looked at people who'd been consultants for 20 years and said, oh, I don't really want to be doing that. Um, and so I, I kind of, I mean, I'm jumping too much into a story here, but then quit and, and just did something else. Earlier in life, I'm just looking around to see how old everyone is, like, you have different constraints at different times, so if I'd had a mortgage and a family and a kid, it might not have been so easy to go, <laughs> let's head back to uni and ditch all this. Yeah. Um, so it depends. So you can't just always do that. Yeah, no, fair enough. Lou, tell us about your decision to start an MBA, a Master of Business, uh, later in your career. What kind of spurned that decision for you? Um, I graduated my um, undergrad in 2001. So in 2011, I hit that 10-year mark and thought, it's been 10 years since I've kind of done proper study and it's probably about time. But it took me two more years. I started in 13. Um, so I think there was just that sense of when you're studying, it feels exhausting. And then give it a few years after studying, you miss it. And you miss the collegiate, you know, the, the campus and, and the friends and the opportunities. So there was a draw for that, I think. Um, at the time, I had a seven-year-old, I think, when I started. She's 13 now. Mm -hmm. um, so I felt like I could just 
do a bit of study, you know, and, and it was actually really great because her relationship with her dad got really strong because I was always in the office or, you know, studying. Um, so I think it was just a bit of time, a bit of um, thinking about the future, investing in myself. Um, I think women particularly don't always think about themselves and their careers. So, yeah, it was really important um, to, to do that. And having a daughter, uh, it's really good to role model to her, except she doesn't want to go to university and I'm so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> She could very possibly change her mind. She could. I didn't want to go to university and I'm here two or three degrees later. We all change our minds. So I'll jump on to another question for Shung. And what did you learn about yourself along the way from, say, study or working experience, just as important, uh, to where you are now? Shung, um, I'll go for you first. You said you kind of moved around a bit to do with family life. Um, Yeah, how did your career kind of flex around that and what did you learn about yourself and for your family and yourself during that time? Oh look, the many, many lessons out there. But I guess from the from a, from a networking from a, I mean we, we back in the nineties it was a time of there's no LinkedIn. Uh, whenever you go when you go to a place you have to um, uh, uh, not only uh, survive but uh, try to thrive so you mean there was uh, a world before social media yeah, yeah. Uh, so so it's the old, the old um, classical traditional way you know you know other UWA people other Perth people are in Sydney yeah you know you go you invite yourself to their uh, gatherings so you invite them to your gathering so the so, th- so that's that's a, the, the classical traditional way and uh, I mean there, there are uh, UWA alumni groups uh, around the place. I mean, a lot easier to find nowadays than uh, the, uh, all that time ago. The the so this uh, this networking um, transcends uh, just your alumni or Perth people. Or uh, uh, I mean, I mean, I'll give this one example. In I was in Hong Kong, got made redundant from a rating agency and looking for a job. And in fact, that was the next job I had. I didn't know at the time, but it was my dream job, which was investment banking. And the way that came about was. A friend, I, I don't smoke, but a friend who does go on, uh, uh, old colleague who went on a smoking break, met someone who knew there was a job going at this investment bank. Um, and all you knew was the lady's name was Rowena. So with Google, with LinkedIn, you can look up Rowena at this bank. And coincidentally, um, uh, when I was working in Sydney, I used to go on a yearly conference to Arizona. It's a, it's a securitization conference. And guess what? She was one of these conferences. And I had a card. Uh, must have met her, so started talking and uh, chatting, and I and I said, "Look, here you're looking for someone. Um, I'm available." Caught up, five or ten interviews later, got the job. So you never underestimate whoever you go to conferences, exchange cards with. Like I said, it's a lot easier now if you you can match things up to see who you got in common and so on. So. I'd say uh, use that. Use those tools available because you never know in 20 years' time. How many Rowenas did you call before you found the right one? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was it, it was uh, it was a unique name for, for that for that organisation. So you'd say networking is still pretty powerful. Awesome. So what did you learn about yourself along the way? You've gone from architecture more towards HR. What did you learn about yourself? Because when we chatted about a week ago, you yeah. said you started some postgraduate studies and then you had something of a revelation about what you actually loved doing and what you felt you could do. So tell us about that. Yes, okay, so I learnt a lot about myself along the way and so, and I can, I think that's also the privilege of being in the 
position that I was at the time. So I started working at the career management organisation the same time I started studying. So I was working there part-time and I was doing very basic admin things at the time, uh, but I started to sort of progress and I started wondering, what are we doing in the business? So... And part of that is we do a lot of assessments to get to know yourself, profiling tools, motivational assessments, what are your values, what are your interests? So I started to ask myself that. And about the time I was asking myself, I had just, I had completed my bachelor's in architecture, which was hard. I learned at that time that I was resilient and that I could get through in very little sleep. I don't know if anyone here is doing architecture, but if you know anyone, you know, they're having it. <laughs> they're working hard. Um, they don't just draw pictures, but we do do that as well. So, so I started. I started my masters, and I started to realize actually, I do not want to be an architect. I love what I realized. I loved is I loved people, and that's what I loved doing in the business. And I was working more and more with people, working one-on-one, hearing what was working for other people, and I started realising what wasn't working for me. So I realised, yes, that that's something that that I loved and I could go on forever about everything that I've learned about myself. So I won't bore you, but, uh, yeah. I will open this next question up uh, because we've got a little inside, a little uh, portal into your guys' journeys so far. I think the term career sometimes can imply a very, very straight line when it's a real up and down and around the place kind of a journey. How did you guys determine what you were passionate about? Did it start over a coffee? Did it start with a, a... an epiphany? Did it start with going back to basics, pen and paper, or was it a suggestion from a colleague or a boss? I'm just super curious about stuff. So I I do lots and lots of things for an hour at a time or two hours at a time, and if if I'm interested enough to keep doing it, then I keep doing it. Uh, And so that was the same with lots of things. But with with careers, you know, there's, there's the journey and the destination, right? And you've got to be passionate about one of them, <laughs> otherwise you're not going to go to work. So either you love what you're doing and you don't care where it's going, in which case, great, be a writer forever, you know. Or you know exactly what you want to be and you're prepared to go through a bit of pain to get there. I think both of those will keep you highly motivated. I think I answered a dis- different question to what you asked, but I'm pretty sure it was a good answer. Hey, sometimes <laughs> trying a bit of everything is the way. Um, I'll, I'll boot on what Andrew said there. I think that the curiosity thing and... For me, I think being curious is really important. Uh, also because I never I never knew what I wanted to do. That's why I decided to do architecture because I used to draw houses. And so I thought, oh, well, I'll be an architect. But, but you know, along the way, I also... I loved arts as well. I wanted to be an actress, but I, I don't know. That was, that was very short, mainly because I didn't try. I thought it wouldn't be realistic, but might have been, who knows. Uh, and working in... I did stints working in um, it for uh, fringe festivals and I thought maybe I want to be an events manager and then I started... I guess it's really when the opportunities come along and you're curious and you're going to see how does it go and I think for me, working at Samaritans, I realised actually I would love to do something in, in counselling or therapy which I never would have thought of before. It's being curious but it makes so much sense now seeing the journey that I've gone through. I think, oh, how obvious... Did you ever just wonder, well, what could I do right now that would make me the most money? <laughs> uh, 
actually, no, I think I thought, what's going to make me some money? Which is why I chose not to do the acting. Um, yeah. Wage is certainly... Uh, it's an influencing yeah. factor when my brother finished at university. It was around 2007, 2008 when civil engineers were given a free laptop to study engineering and such. And he himself ended up changing two years into a civil engineering degree, started an occupational therapy degree. So he did another four years of that and he's subsequently working overseas. So everybody kind of does their own little flip-flops. For me personally, I've had four jobs in the last year. I've been working as a contractor for the last year. I've worked for the WA Country Health Service, the Department of Health. I've worked for two tech companies and now I'm working at Main Roads, so in our good old government, if there's a road closure, I don't want to hear about it. Um, so it's been a real hop for me and the adjustment and the change in the market to being a contractor and that kind of consideration for working for yourself because contractors and people who work for themselves don't get the sick leave, they don't get the annual leave and stuff. So the nature of work itself has really, really changed. And as a consequence, I've sat for a few hundred job interviews, as has everyone here. Good job experience. Into a job interview. Yep. So when you get to do a few hundred of them, you really learn, um, if you went to the previous session, how to, like, acing a job interview in itself is a real skill. And I sat for jobs that I really, really wanted, that I'd done the research on, that I'd really passionate about, but sometimes not getting what you want is also a good thing. So I'd like to open up that phrase to our panel and I'll start with Shung. Was there ever a time where you didn't get what you wanted and that turned out okay? Yeah, so uh, I, I have a habit of taking lots and lots of notes. So even if you um, do well or don't do well in an interview, just, just take down, write down all the stuff that you know, you've been asked. Honestly say yourself which things you did well, which things you could do better. Uh, which things they just don't, you wish they don't ask you again. Uh, but you do get better uh, at these interviews, and it was a bit, uh, I would say it would have been better. We, we had um, UWA's reputation name was a lot stronger around 20, 25 years ago. So I could walk into a, a Wall Street bank, and they said to you, why, why, why should we employ you? You don't even, you're not even from the Ivy League. Ivy League are the top eight universities in the, in the US. And I said, well, I'm from the Ivy League of Australia, because UWA is a G8. And Very said, good oh. choice of word in yeah. there. So they said, well, what, oh, I, I'm, you know, tell me about the, the Ivy League of Australia. I said, well, you know, just like the US have this, they have that. Oh, okay, because that's the concept, you know. They, they, rather than mm -hmm. interview people from 50 universities, mm -hmm. they rank them, you know, so they know A is better than B. Now, uh, over time, that is sort of, we, uh, you know, watered down a bit. So, so you, get, you get better and better at, uh, you know, because if you don't take note of what, uh, you know, where, where you stumble, where you could have done better, uh, you, you, don't, um, you don't improve. So do, do, take, uh, do take note of those, um, th th those questions because there's only so many they, uh, they will ask you. So, yeah, uh, do, do take it, even if you don't get it, use it as an opportunity to, uh, you know, self-improve. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and most people who give you an interview will give you some sort of a feedback, but, you know, it's always really important to shake hands and say thank you anyway because your time is just as valuable as theirs. Who else wants to tackle the question of when you missed out on I've, something you wanted and I've everything quite, was still yeah, okay? I think it's, that's a really good um, thing to keep in mind, that it's always going to be okay no matter what because everything is a learning opportunity. I say this a lot at work when thing, I have a really bad day, I just can't do... Think of the learning opportunity I've had today. That's kind of a good mantra. 
Um, but I got down to the last candidate in um, a recruitment process for a state director role um, three and a half years ago, out of 200 applicants. And on the fifth interview, which was a video conference interview with the CEO in Sydney, I think he just didn't like me. <laughs> That's kind of all I can put it down to. He did say something along the lines of, will you commit to three to five years? And I said, two to three, definitely, and let's see how five goes. That could have been not what he wanted to hear. Um, but that was a really exhausting and quite <laughs> upsetting process at the time. But because I didn't get that job, I ended up getting the job. So I'm, the company I work for now was a three-way merger, and I got a job in the predis one of the predecessor organisations. So it was kind of the pathway to the job I'm in now. So I just look back and think, Actually, that was a really lucky escape, and that CEO didn't last very long either. He got sacked about a year later. He's a bit of a misogynist, so I think I just <laughs> missed her. <laughs> yeah, so everything happens for a reason, and it's a learning opportunity. You know, just take it and move on and smile. How different do you think your career path could have looked if, say, you'd taken the job? At that particular workplace, do you think you would have gone down the path of an MBA or...? I had just finished the MBA, so this, this was ah. um, just as I finished. Yeah. I think um, the person that had been in that role before, um, someone introduced me to her. I've got some really good networks and it's definitely mm. worthwhile having the networks and, yep. and putting out the feelers because someone introduced me to her and I had lunch with her and she actually said the CEO is an interesting character. So I don't actually think I would have lasted... You know, as long as him, because I have worked with a CEO has come in before, and I, we had a values misalignment, and I didn't last very long. I can't, I can't do that kind of um, work. So I don't think I would have lasted anyway. And yeah. she also kind of said, you know, even though it was a state manager role, it was kind of a glorified events manager role. Um, so I probably wouldn't have, you know, got the development I've got in the role I've got now. So in that instance, do you think it was when you were, I suppose, heard something about a person before you went for an interview? Do you think? it's still important to a degree to make your own mind up about a person before you meet them in that, that kind of a yeah. setting. So there's um, a book, Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow, and you can probably just Google the summary because it um, goes into a lot of depth, but basically the thinking fast is your system one thinking, which is your gut feel, and your system two is your you know rational thought, your brain trying to persuade yourself. And you have to listen to your gut, and it's, it's there for a reason, and it's actually not very well linked to the linguistic part of the brain, so it's quite hard to articulate why you have a gut feeling about something. But if you do, and it's a bad feeling, trust it. And so I'm glad I did. Very good to hear. Andrew, would you like to finish us off for this particular question? Uh, I have very little experience with the, the kind of traditional job application interview process, uh, both as an employer and as an employee. Mm -hmm. I, I don't like it as a process. I find it very kind of immediate, leading to poor outcomes. Um, and I also find it's really hard <laughs> from both sides. So if, uh, when, I don't know if you've ever employed someone, but if you put out an ad for something that's anywhere near entry level, you get about 500 applicants in the first half hour sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then if you're going through that process from the other side, you know that you're one of lots. Um, and the good people, the best people that I've hired have never applied for anything because they're always in demand and they don't have to apply for anything. So you've got to go seek them out anyway. So mm -hmm. I prefer to know the people that I want to work with and I would prefer that you know, I've done the right things so that I'm in demand enough not to need to go chasing that, you know. It's, it's a bad situation to find yourself in that you're kind of looking through seek and trying to find what to apply for next, I think. Yeah. 
better, better, yeah, better um, I was recently I recently applied for a job in another government department and I was one of four people shortlisted for an interview of 140 applicants. So making it through that sea of other applicants can sometimes be very difficult. I'm trying to pull out another question for you guys. Uh, how did you know when it was time to move on from something when something wasn't quite scratching that itch or you weren't able to throw yourself more immersively into it? What was, what was the moment for you guys? Was there any kind of like big bang or was it like a tap on the shoulder type thing? I guess, uh, so I, I've also got a, a first aid in mental health and one mm. of the things that uh, does struck people in finance more than other, I don't know but it's more, is probably, I know about a dozen people that didn't survive till they were 40, right? They, they uh, cancer some of them, aneurysms, heart attacks, a whole lot of things. And a lot of that was caused by inability to sleep. Uh, and I didn't tick any of those boxes. Uh, but I, there was one time, uh, and this is, this is very funny, because in, in corporate life, you, you put on a brave face and everything's fine, everything's fine. Uh, it wasn't affecting my sleep. But I did have uh, one thing my wife did tell me was when I was sleeping, I used to talk. And that's when you tell the, what you really feel, you know. So if you hear, uh, you, can, you can cover it up all day long and all night long, but when you do sleep, suddenly you say something. So she said, what are you saying? So I said, well, take note of that. And it was something like, I hate this job or something. So it's a, it's a, it's wow. a, it's a very uh, powerful um, reason. So I didn't, uh, you know, don't um, chuck all the, um, you know, I think someone said earlier, you chuck all the furniture or you burn the house when you leave. But no, just quietly find another job. And... Yeah, and leave it gradually because you know it doesn't. It's not affecting you during daytime. It's all right. It's mm -hmm. only affecting you during sleep. So, but if but if it, it, if there is uh, situations where it's even more, uh, it, it is affecting you, uh, then yeah, um, get help. Yeah, wow, that that's incredible. I don't think I've heard of anyone talking in their sleep before. But hey, that was clearly an important moment for you and your wife, who was very kind of transcribing, Charlotte. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say so. You know, for me, I think there was. Also a moment as well, you know, doing my, doing my master's and I think, because although I realised I thought this isn't what I want to do, but a part of me would say, mm, give it a go, Charlotte. So, but it was, I think I was doing a student a unit abroad. There was probably about 20 of us from the uni in, in Lisbon and it was all very immersed and... And seeing, I think there was there was one girl in particular who was in my my group for our project, and she just when she talked about architecture, you could just feel the passion, the enthusiasm, just I think radiating off her, you know, really. And I thought, oh my god, I don't have that, you know. Someone asked me, what's your favorite building? I think, oh, I don't know. Who's your favorite architect? I I don't know. I don't know anything, whereas there were people, <laughs> you know, people doing that class and it, it meant the world for them. And I think definitely a lot of creative pursuits, it's the passion that gets you through because what a lot of people don't realise in architecture is that it's a lot of drawing cabinets and changing the cabinets and changing the door handles and not seeing the light of day for a long time. So you've got to love what you're doing and know that you're working towards something else. So I think for me, also really seeing I didn't have that passion, I thought I need to, to find my passion in something else. Yeah, well, cool. I'll go down to you, um, Andrew. Uh, yeah, well, it's, I mean, the opportunity cost of whatever you're working on is 
literally everything else you could be doing. I, I think the tendency of people is to hold on to whatever they're doing too long. And I think the, the line I used the other day was, you know, whether it's a bad job or a bad relationship, I don't think many people look back and go, geez, I'm really happy I put in that extra year just to make sure, you know? Um, and so I think after you realize that you are 100% calling it quits on whatever it is that you're doing, you probably realize that you, you knew a good few months or before then that you mm -hmm. probably should have made that move. And for me, there's often been you know, a growing realization that you need to go find something else and then a trigger point that, that made me quit. And so, say for consulting, you know, the best thing about being a consultant and an expat living in Singapore was, you know, living like an expat, making lots of money, side trips to, you know, Thousand Islands or wherever else in Lombok and all this. And I think there was one point, I saw a photo of myself on the taxi, in the taxi on the way back to the office and I just went, oh, you look miserable. <laughs> I just went, nah, that's it. And, you know, I think I enrolled I think I think enrolled in engineering the next day. It was like, okay, let's find something more exciting to do. Yeah, wow. Amazing. I, I would actually love to hear a bit more about um, why... Well, we've, heard, we've heard about you <laughs> talk about why you transitioned from, say, tennis to corporate work. But within your journey, what kind of was the push to start your own business from, say, working for someone else? Okay, so the, the main reason I got genuinely passionate about starting a business was a really greedy one, and that was uh, in Singapore, as a consultant, I was making good money, and I was sort of project manager of a, of a multi-country project that was going on. And then the guy that owned the company came to town, and um, I said, oh, what have you been doing for the, what have you been doing since you were last in town? And he said, uh, I just finished riding dirt bikes around Australia for the last six months. And I went, <laughs> And uh, so I was making good money. He was making heaps more money, but he was also <laughs> having a great time doing exactly what he loved, exactly what he wanted to do, and he looked really happy and, and fresh and fit. And I said, I'm on the wrong side of this. <laughs> I, need, I, need to be, I need to be on that side. Um, so uh, that was sort of, you know, I didn't immediately go and quit and start a business at that point, but I thought at some point I want to be the one who controls my own, you know, my yeah. own day and my own destiny and... You know, uh, the thing I like to say about startups and, and businesses in general is they're bounded on the downside at zero, but there's unbounded upside. I love it. Thank you for sharing a bit more. So, Q&A, cool. So, you've had 30 or 40 minutes of hearing from our fabulous panel guys and the people that have had, and the events that have had a big influence on their careers. So, would you guys like to ask anything of any of the five of us? No? Uh, yep, just there. Um, my name's Eva. Um, but I was just wanting to ask you, well, firstly, thank you to the panel. It was really great to hear all of your stories and the way that you've changed your careers. So obviously, you've all had very fluid careers. They haven't been straight line at all. Um, and at the moment, like a lot of people are saying to us that the jobs that exist, that are exist in 10 years, 20 years, don't exist at all yet. Mm. Um, how do you think, or can you give us any insight on, like, I'll fight you for that one. Yeah, Lou, start us off. Um, I just think it's the um, emotional intelligence, it's the people skills, because you know, until we're wiped off this planet, you know, you're going to have to liaise with other people. So what we use, uh, the technology and the equipment, the, what are really the theories, what we do is going to change. But 
um, if you can really relate to other people and um, create value from interactions, then you will adapt. Um, so for me, it's all about people. So, I mean, we say that, but people who are really good at maths or science or any of the things that our parents were studying like 30 years ago, if you are really good at any one of those things, you have highly marketable skills today. You're just doing slightly different things with them. If you're very good at English, you can, you can be writing a blog, you can be writing business content or very valuable skills. If you're good at maths, you're going to be a good computer scientist or just pure maths mm -hmm. and they're very highly sought after schools in, in short supply, even though there's more and more mm -hmm. people. So I'm not sure I really buy the whole, you know, our skills have to completely change or become redundant. We might mm -hmm. give new titles to things, but um, it's a bit too hyped that the things that you're going to need to be good at don't exist yet. Yeah. So I'd like to add a little bit to that myself. Uh, I studied, I started doing journalism and PR, but then switched to the other two evils. So PR and uh, political science, international relations. Then I did my postgrad in it. So having done very solidly a humanities and arts degree, I found more than more than anything, it was the skills I learned to be able to really, really write well um, across a variety of mediums, whether it's short form or really, really long form as well spelling and a grip of the English language for me was really, really valuable. And even though I'm not necessarily using my international relations degrees very strictly, but I found the, the confidence to hold an argument or have an exchange with someone to be able to, you know, make eye contact, shake a hand firmly and stuff. The skills that I got from my degree, not looking at it so literally, um, were the things that have kind of pushed me forward. And when I finished university in 2011, Facebook was only just starting to be talked about. So everything that I've learned in the digital space has been on the fly. So I suppose pick something you maybe want to improve about yourself. As Andrew said, you know, the, the science, the STEM uh, areas of study are very, seem to be very valuable. But I would say, you know, communication in all its forms is still very valuable. So... Look for the skills in what you want to study. What do you want to develop? What do you want to improve? I, I'm going to expand on that as well, just a little bit. I think I think valid points in what everyone said already. I think this is a bit of a, a passion topic for me uh, as well and what I'm working a lot on um, in, in my job. But uh, definitely what I advise is get to know yourself because although the jobs might change and yes you're going to grow and develop but fundamentally you know start to start to question you know what's important to me what motivates me what drives me um what are what are my values because ultimately who you are isn't going to change it will grow it will develop the jobs you know you you'll start to work with those. And it actually, I mean, I know everyone gets so scared about automation, but, I mean, don't be, in my opinion. Yeah, I could talk too much about that. But <laughs> Thank you, Charlotte. Have we got any more questions I'll, to I'll, jump I'll, to? Sorry, I'll just yeah, quickly, course, quickly. Uh, some some uh, economies of the world are growing at 6%, 7%. Okay, so, uh, and they haven't even uh, got to a first world status. So while Australia will be steady and growing, don't forget there's uh, another world out there of uh, fast rate, fast moving, uh, uh, growing economies. Uh, just pick up on Charlotte's point, uh, the artificial intelligence. Just as many people worried about traditional jobs losing, the people in artificial intelligence have difficulty finding people. So they, they, they are, you know, uh, it's an area that's growing. And just uh, so many people worried about, um, uh, I mean, 25 years ago, if you reported a, 
uh, went to the police station and said, I'm going to report a cyber crime, the police sergeant will tell you, unless, so, unless you got hit on your head by a computer, it's not a crime. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, well, but today, there's 20,000 people looking after cyber crime in uh, a company called Facebook. I mean, so once again, it's not here, but it's somewhere mm -hmm. else. You know, these jobs weren't around before. So overall, uh, there, are, there are many, many opportunities out there. Uh, but yeah, learning coding, learning uh, IT, um, uh, as part of um, uh, automating stuff. But I was, t I was saying before, jobs in banking and finance, they'll always be there, because the more you have people doing artificial intelligence, the more demand for capital, money, um, research. Yeah, cool, thank you. Um, did we, I think we have time for one more. Yes, sir? Oh, I'd like to say thanks. I've enjoyed it. Thanks. Um, in my position, I'm sort of, I'm sure there's other people in the room as well, I don't really know what I want to do in the future, you know what I mean? I don't really have any idea. Mm -hmm. what Like, if you don't know what you want to do, like, I would go after the best available opportunity that you're prepared to go after with gusto, mm -hmm. <laughs> because like how you how you engage in that opportunity will say to others a lot about you, and then just open up a realm of other opportunities if it's not the thing that you want. Um, and yeah, even though I've never gone on to be anything, like I didn't make it as a tennis player, but it turns out that being good at tennis is handy in corporate circles. So you <laughs> like, and, uh, I'm 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 now I'm now a curler, which you wouldn't think would be good for anything at all. But it turns out that the brother-in-law of one person I play curling with is a venture capitalist in Sydney. So like, you never know. If, so the things that you go after, as long as you can go after it with passion, I yeah. think are going to take you somewhere. So. If you don't know what to do, do I, something. I agree <laughs> with that, Andrew. I think being a history nerd certainly helped me in a very strange way in that I was able to... I just took, took a big interest in current affairs and working in communications. Current affairs are a very, very big deal and having a, more of a 3D awareness of the world. But, um, Andrew, I think we need to hear how tennis is beneficial in a boardroom, just quickly. Uh, so it's beneficial in a number of ways. It's beneficial in the same way... I shouldn't say this on a podcast, but that smoking is beneficial to smokers in that it's something to talk about and it's a way of meeting people. And the you know the longer it's been since I've played tennis, the better I used to be as a tennis player. And like, <laughs> and not 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 just that, but like when colleagues tell other colleagues about your tennis background, you're even better than you would tell it. So you know, I was once 70 in Australia, but to hear my boss tell his boss I was seven in the world, you know. <laughs> So. <laughs> Don't let the truth get in the way of good stories exactly. sometimes. Now, Lou, you look yeah, champing at the just bit. Just add um, on to what you asked and what Andrew said around knowing what you don't like. I think it's really worth um, you know, spreading your wings. And one thing that helped me was um, doing some business-as-usual work, so operations, run-of-the-mill operations in an organisation that was just ticking over nicely, which is you know what happened to Conica, so you should never just you know tick over nicely. But I, I just got so bored with that. So I realised that I like being dropped in a hot mess or doing projects or turnarounds or mergers. So it was really helpful to do something that I got really bored at because I was like, I really don't want to do that again. Um, so yeah, definitely do lots of different things and see what floats your boat. That is a very valid point, Lou, and one I would very wholeheartedly agree with having had four short-term <laughs> jobs in the last year. You know, I've been witless in some things but I've discovered different things about myself so just the getting out there and 
yeah, just try, trying different things. You'll always discover good things, bad things, and even when you go for job interviews, it'll be, oh, I really like this company because of this reason, or you could have a change of heart and come out of a job interview and think, oh, that wasn't a right fit, and it was because of this reason. Can I throw a quick spanner in the works just before, just before we move on? Sorry to I'll jump in again. I'll go for it. But the other thing, uh, you're asking, okay, don't know what the jobs are. We've all talked about, okay, we're going to do lots and lots of different things. That's not necessarily true either. I, I don't overlook if you are 100% fascinated in one thing, like if it, that, that enables you to become completely immersed in that thing and, you know, that can be a career even if it doesn't appear to be a career. So there's people making money out of all sorts of weird and wonderful things and the people who are the most passionate about a single subject mm. are always going to find work to do if you're a computer scientist Chickpeas. or whatever, then you, you know, mm. if, if it's, well... And then it turns, yeah, you're super passionate about chickpeas and then it turns out chickpea becomes the next superfood and there's some kind of a chickpea shortage on the eastern seaboard in the USA and they call in the world chickpea expert and give them $3 million a month to transform the chickpea industry. You know, stranger things have happened, like that guy that won the Fortnite competition or whatever, the Fortress, what's that game all the kids play? Anyway. Don't don't, um, say no to something unless you've tried it, I I would say as well. I mean... um, uh, I mean, if you want, if you're studying medicine and you can't stand blood, well, you know, don't don't do it, right? But there's a not a lot of um, things that uh, you know uh, you say no to without um, at least having a having a go. Or speaking to someone who does that, you know, if you've got <laughs> tens of thousands of people doing a particular occupation of industry, there must be a re- reason why there's th- that many mm-hmm. people doing it. So uh, yeah, uh, just get a feel for you know where you're. Where, where, what your strength is, what your, I mean, if you're good at maths, I mean, once again, you know, it's good, mm. more, more opportunities. But at the same time, if you're good at history or other mm. things, um, that, that, that's also, uh, you know, uh, uh, but I think the, the, the key thing is to just have an inquiry mind. Yes, inquiry. absolutely. Yeah. Now, I'll get you to pass the mic to Charlotte. I believe we have to wrap it up just about now. So after Charlotte, we'll get you guys to pass the mic around and just give one parting piece of advice, a couple of sentences to our crowd today. All right, I'll be quick because I feel like you've all really said exactly what needs to be said. So essentially I'd say say yes for, you know, say yes to those opportunities, whatever they may be, and you can quickly turn around and say, nope, not for me. As more specific advice, I think, to anyone here, if you're not familiar with Foundation for Young Australians, FYA, they've done a lot of uh, research in terms of the future of work, but also... They've uh, published uh, clusters of work. So you'll actually see that jobs are far more related than you think. And you might go into one thing and realise, actually, I don't like that. But you'll start to realise what the theme for you is. Is it that you're loving people? Is it that you're loving the hands-on? Is it love? you love technical aspects? So start to look at that and I think that'll help narrow it down. Cool. Thank you, Charlotte. Uh, and uh, we'll start with you again. Um, parting piece of advice for our crowd today. Okay, I'm going to be cheeky and say two, which I've kind of already said. We'll uh, but, well, actually, no, one, and it, it's, I think it applies to everything, be curious. Be curious ultimately about what your opportunities are, what's out there, and about yourself, and really get to know yourself and, and continue to get to know yourself. Yeah, very sage, sure. There's, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, if I could have one advice, is uh, car washing. Now you can say, what's car washing? There was a law graduate uh, in my year uh, who um, who's a top lawyer now, um, and the only reason why he got a good start, he actually missed out on the uh, clerkship. 
but he, uh, he was boasting that he actually offered the managing partner to wash his car to get an interview. Now, he's going to deny it now, if he tells you what, but he was boasting oh. about it. <laughs> I won't mention, mention his name, but that's uh, key because you see all these applications, right, come to you and all this, but there's someone that stands out. Now, my, in my experience, one guy that really stood out to me amongst all applications was he uh, was through, a, through an agent, but he said he couldn't come to an interview. Uh, can we do another one? I said, oh, there's nothing, you know, I'm probably busy anyway. Mm -hmm. But he came to the next interview with a medical certificate. <laughs> he was genuinely sick, and I didn't want him to actually come mm -hmm. uh, sick. You know, I could have spread it. So things like that, you know, you never know. Uh, there's some uh, in amongst 140 applicants and all that. Mm -hmm. There's something that might stand out amongst, uh, uh, you know, that someone remembers you. So don't, don't underestimate that, that, that power of that uniqueness. And eat your green vegetables and stay hydrated by the sound of it. Um, <laughs> Andrew, what would be your parting piece of advice? Uh, my advice is focus more than you probably do now on people. Uh, and I don't necessarily mean networking to find a job, although that is one aspect. But I also think how much you enjoy your career and what you're working on will relate a lot to the people that you work with. And if you find people to work for and work with that you can learn from and you just feel like you've got smart people or smarter people than you doing stuff that you love every day, then it's, it's much more exciting. So I would pick, if I had to choose between a dream job and not knowing who it was I was going to be working with or work with a dream person that I'd definitely like to work with but I had no idea what the job is, I would pick the person first rather than the job. Interesting. Would you like to wrap us up, Lou? Yeah, I reckon roll your sleeves up and be prepared to do anything. One, because um, you don't know what doing that thing might lead to. And two, because it will take you far with any uh, teams you lead. Uh, you should never um, expect somebody to do something that you're not prepared to do yourself. Um, and the second one is slightly left field, but um, if you end up in a relationship, choose your partner wisely because they will have a big impact on your career. Fair enough. So thank you guys so much for coming on this day. I hope you got some... Good gems from our fantastic panel here this afternoon. We'll be around a little longer and thank you so much again, guys.